life is a mess and you're totally stressed out just call trend just call trend when your wife is cold as ice and you need some advice just call trend just call trend he'll shoot it straight and he won't say no He'll just give you that advice and say, well, there you go. Oh, hello and welcome to another episode of There You Go with Trent Mabry. Of course, I'm your host, Trent Mabry. Uh, It's another special episode this week. I talked with comedian Kevin McCaffrey. Uh, Kevin was a freelance writer for The Late Show with David Letterman, and he also spent some time doing warm-up for the show. Uh, we talk about all that. We talk about writing for the Edge and Christian show for the WWE Network, uh, being on World's Dumbest, uh, all that and much more. Here's my talk with Kevin McCaffrey. So uh, where'd you grow up? I grew up, uh, I was born in Chicago and then grew up uh, sort of in the suburbs there, Clarendon Hills, mostly Clarendon Hills, Hinsdale. It's like a half hour west of Chicago for the most part. So I uh, I lived on Long Island from between the ages of three and eight. My dad's whole family is from, from that side. Okay. Parents got divorced at eight, went back to Chicago. Things were immediately much better. Uh, just, I think I'm not supposed to be on Long Island and it felt yeah. like that as a child too. It's one of those things where, you know, when you're between three and eight, that's the whole world, you know. And then sure. I got to Chicago and was like, no, they were fucked up. OK, yeah, this is <laughs> I I was right. This is definitely better. You know, so uh, I, I mostly identify as like a Chicago land person. Yeah. Did you live with your mom or your dad when you moved to Chicago? Lived with mom. So yeah. I'm the oldest of three, three boys. So uh, me and my two younger brothers and my mom. For the OK. Part. Then when did you, you realize you wanted to start doing comedy? Were you always like a comedy nerd growing up? or I was. And although it was like, you know, I, I think I feel like there was probably less ways to express yourself as a comedy nerd mm-hmm. back then. Like I'm, I'm 39. So I grew up in, you know, mostly the 90s and stuff. Um, so the way it worked for me was that I was a real weirdo about uh, I was very young to be as into like late night television as I yeah. was, you know, like there was some tweet going around recently that was like, what's the first joke you're aware of uh, existing? And it's like, I didn't have a joke that fit, but I was like, I remember being a child and knowing that Leona Helmsley was mean. And I knew <laughs> that from like Johnny Carson and David Letterman monologues, yeah. basically just like, it's, you know, it's weird to be a kid and you're watching these monologues, which is basically based on the New York Times front page or CNN.com right. now, basically. And it's like, I shouldn't know who these people are. And I basically don't. But uh, yeah, I was ba- I was like, I liked Carson when I was super young mm-hmm. and I liked the guy who came on after him even better. So I was just I mean, I remember watching Letterman do remotes and being like, this is so funny. I don't know how it's not the lead story on the news, you know? So <laughs> I, yeah, I just could not believe it. And so I used to like, you know, once I got a VCR, I was like, I recorded that's like Letterman and Conan every night and mm-hmm. then would tape over it if it wasn't memorable, whatever. But um, yeah, so I mean, that was that was the main way I think I was like a comedy dork, you know? Yeah, I was the same way. I, of course, I had, the, I had a DVR, but yeah, sure. <laughs> the fancy living yeah yeah, that's, yeah exactly. it's a lot VHS less manual out. work 
yeah it was a lot easier i remember like taping very early on with the vhs then the dvr mm-hmm. uh but like probably like 10 or 10 or 11 i started watching letterman and then conan and all those guys um just yeah, yeah. I, I feel like you, you must you must be mostly primarily conan generation so well letterman, yeah i'm 26 okay yeah the letterman <laughs> was always my guy though even oh nice yeah I, I feel like that's a little rare because like I, I I sort of feel like even I'm I tend to be kind of towards the end of the people who like Letterman was their guy, mm-hmm. you know, for the most part. Uh, my younger brother, three years younger than me, and he did comedy for a little while, too. But like he I feel like was very much that was like the beginning of Conan first. And I, I love Conan, too. Like those. Were yeah, absolutely. Back to back every night going to sleep. Yeah. Forever. But. When did you start doing stand up? Started doing stand-up, like, I would say seriously, I mean, started doing, like, open mics a lot in 2007, so I, I, in terms of when I wanted to do comedy, first I I played a lot of sports growing up, and then once that stopped, and it was clear that, like, I wasn't going to be a bull, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, I... I was I, then I sort of went to start doing a radio show in high school a lot. And then in college uh, at Ball State in Indiana, I started a TV. I basically took over a TV show and then changed it to be sort of a Letterman SNL hybrid kind of a format. And then that was my whole life for four years. So we were doing like a live uh, we were doing a live show every week with a live audience and like a band and everything uh for by by my junior year and that was uh, that was all I did I was obsessed with it so I didn't start doing stand-up until I'd lived in New York for a couple of years but I had performed a lot you know okay um yeah but as far as like officially stand-up like do it starting open mics and stuff it was I was probably 25. Oh really so like yeah. did you go to Ball State because of Letterman or just that's how it worked I- out? I almost didn't go because of Letterman. Like I, I remember getting, you know, you get those the little pamphlets in the mail, uh, to, just from all the colleges when you're in high school and stuff. And I remember getting the Ball State one and being like, that would be funny. I can't go there. I like Dave too much. It would right. just be weird. Yeah. So <laughs> I was like, absolutely not. But that's funny. And then I was looking into colleges for the sole purpose of like the TV program and doing TV stuff there. Mm-hmm. And so I applied to like Syracuse and UCLA and uh, and Notre Dame because my parents went there and just I I, I think I, I had to even though that would have been a, a dumbass place to go for television yeah uh, and I would have you know I would be homeless now money wise so <laughs> I yeah I I uh, it just <laughs> the way things filtered out it kept being like am I going to have to go to Ball State? Like, it, Ball State just had like the best TV program that was mm-hmm. sort of near Chicago. And they were the only one of the places I visited, I would, I would, you know, as a shithead 17 year old being like, well, if I want to start a show right away, can I? And everywhere, like Syracuse and UCLA were both like, no, probably not. Like you can, we have equipment, but you'll probably like, you know, you have to work your way up on things. And Ball State was like, I guess, I don't know. Sure. So I was like, all right, we'll do that then. Um, So yeah, yeah. I weirdly like, Dave going there worked against it for me because mm-hmm. I was like I didn't want to just do that it was too I was like that's too corny yeah uh, I get but that. yeah so yeah. yeah I think that show is still going that you the the BSU thing I think 
right? It is. It 100% is. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, I think I, I mean, got it's asked in year to do it. 21. I got oh, really? to do it one to, time. To, I th- it didn't work out, like, but I was doing a show up there. And then they, like the day before they asked me to do it, I couldn't make it at time. But yeah. That's pretty funny. Just to do, to do like a stand-up spot on it? Yeah. That's great. Yeah, we didn't, we didn't have any stand-ups on the show. Uh, I mean, we just didn't know how to like access them, I think, you know, mm-hmm. for the most part. We had like, like bands uh, every episode. But um, yeah, it's called BSU Tonight. It exists, uh, you know, I, get, I, started, I started college in 2000. It was called something else when I took it over. But I mean, yeah, it's been around that long, which is crazy. You know, that's, it's, uh, it's, it's very cool that it is. Yeah, it is. So would you come out and like do a monologue and like interview? I would. I, I would do a very short monologue and I didn't do a ton of interviews because I was like, I don't want to do an interview unless I, I want to do it. Like unless right. it's someone that is actually interesting and, you know, that we can have fun with in some way because we're not getting celebrities, you know, mm-hmm. in, in Muncie. We did have Bill Engvall on the show once. Oh, okay. the year at, Like not when I was there, but the year after the, uh, they, they snagged him on the way through. Um, but yeah, so I didn't do a ton of interviews. I would do a monologue, but it would be short. I would mm-hmm. do like, it would be more like an introduction, maybe a joke or two, and then throw to a sketch and then desk pieces and remotes and stuff from there. Yeah, that, that's fun um so then you go to school i didn't go to school good for you i didn't graduate i went (laughs) i I went for four years i went for four years i thought i graduated i walked and then they sent me a thing afterwards and i left my last college credit was i got the writer's internship at letterman and Uh i was like writing for the top 10 under the table got hired to write monologue after that and i then i got a notice that was like uh, you're one credit short in creative writing, you're minor, and we won't give you this intern credit in that. We're, we'll give it to you. So reapply to drop your minor, which was writing. And they, they wanted me to drop because I was currently <laughs> writing on network television, but it yeah. wasn't as good as a fucking poetry class. So they, they wanted me to drop that and reapply. And I was like, no, no one gives a shit. Like I have right. Letterman on the resume now. I don't need to, I, it doesn't matter if I graduated yeah. from here. Exactly. No one cares. So I have, so anyway, I haven't graduated, but you just, <laughs> did you just go like straight into uh straight into standup and stuff? Well, I started standup when I was 17. I did it like a few mm. times Damn. and then I waited till after I graduated high school to like really pursue it. Um, gotcha. But yeah, I just never, never had any desire to really go to college. I didn't, I always wanted to do stand up, and I didn't think you needed to waste. No, you don't. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah you, you certainly don't. Yeah. Yeah. So I was going to ask what made you move to New York, but it's that you got an internship with the late show. Yeah, so uh, the I was very lucky. The group of people who were at Ball State uh, at the time when I was, and the, the ones who gravitated towards this new show we were doing. So uh, it was like there's some very talented people, and a, a good chunk of us still work in the business one way or another. And uh, a group of us like moved out, moved out together, and lived together for a long time out here in New York. And one of those people is my my now wife, who we've been together for 19 years, and oh, yeah. she she was on the TV show, and she was she ended she was like second in command basically before we got together. And uh, she got an internship at Letterman first. She was kind of our Jackie Robinson into getting real showbiz, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
so she got an intern who's a year ahead of me so she interned first did a good job and then they started then the late show started looking at like our college tv show and it was like a little bit of a pipeline for a minute so that's what took us out was uh was she got the internship another guy did and then i did uh and when i did we all moved out together oh that's great and what what did the intern internship uh entail like what did what did you do it's it ended up being the so I got the writer's internship and how it worked at Letterman at the time was it would be like three hour interview process. So you go in and you meet with the head of HR and then you go do like a uh, interview with each individual department. There was like, I don't know, eight different groups that would do that. And then you meet with the HR lady again at the end, wrap it up. And then basically, if any if any one of the departments particularly wants to pick you, th that's how it works. So. Mm. Um, and for me, and I'm sure you would feel the same way being like a Letterman fan, you go there and like walking around the offices, it was Disneyland. Like yeah. it was just, you'd see people, it would be like, see, it's like, I seeing Biff Henderson walk through yeah. like a room was like seeing Mickey Mouse, you know what exactly, I mean? Where yeah. it's just like, he, what? And then there was a guy, the guy who actually was the writer's assistant at the time who did the interview with me, uh, was a guy I knew from TV as Mailroom Bob like Bob Borden was the guy's name and he ended up being a staff writer on the show too but he like he was the first interview I did after the <laughs> HR and I was like I know who the, I know who this guy is right. you know he's been on TV so um so one of the things they said in the interview that Bob said was he was like uh it's a writer's internship you're not going to be writing for the top 10 that's not what this is uh then I did but he but at the time he said you know he was like that's not what this internship is this internship is like you know you're doing a lot of organizing assignments getting the assignments out to the writers collecting stuff administrative things occasionally covering the the phones for the head writer and mm -hmm. uh, head writers and you know just running you know running errands and stuff like I like I remember having to I remember Bob coming up to me once and being like are you religious you know that maybe not be a legal question to ask but i just uh and i was like no he said would you have a problem um we have to buy paris hilton sex tape uh can you go <laughs> do that and, and i was like yeah that's fine so i had to like go get petty cash to buy a night in paris and uh <laughs> go to some like cd times square porno store and yeah. uh and do that but it's like yeah you know it was a bunch of uh you know, it's a bunch of just like typical intern stuff. You just happen to be working with at, at the time, what was probably like 10 to 12 person late show writer team. Mm -hmm. So then how did um, writing for like the top 10 and lists and stuff come about through the internship? Since they said that you weren't going to do that. But yes, they were explicit about that. I wouldn't. And yeah. then uh, and I wasn't, I guess, supposed to. But the. Uh, there was a day where, so when I'd be covering the phones, I, I, you would know what the top 10 topic was. You'd pass it out on a sheet of paper to mm -hmm. everybody. So when I'd be covering phones, if nothing was going on, just to, you, you know, occupy myself, I would write on whatever the top 10 topic was for that day. Yeah. And Bob went down and he uh, apparently like Dave took the top 10 list and crossed out everything, like crossed out all 10. Mm -hmm. um before uh before like the show so the writers were in a panic and had to like rewrite the top 10 bob had to hustle up and uh bob saw me and was like 
what are you writing? And I was like, nothing. And he's like, let me see it. <laughs> I've written like, I don't know, like seven or eight entries. And he was like, can I give this to the Stengels? The Stengel brothers yeah. were the head writers at the time. And I was like, okay. And then I did. And then the Stengels had their backs to the, like to the, uh, to where I was. And one of them was like, send Kevin in and was really stern about it. And I went in and I sat down, they wouldn't look at me. And one was like, you wrote three pages of tens. We didn't even check one off to go forward. That's not good. And then the other brother went, oh, it's, it's the other Kevin. Cause there was another guy <laughs> named Kevin there at the time. And then he was like, oh yeah, yeah. You got number nine and number one. Great job. Like, oh, so wow. it, it just like, it, it was top 10 signs. Lance Armstrong is getting cocky. And I think it was, nine was like uh i i should remember exactly but it was like he's already figured out that trophy can hold a three gallon margarita or three gallons mm -hmm. of margarita and then he started selling ad space on his ass those were the two that got on and it was like you know i was high out of my mind about it obviously yeah. i mean got to do that for the rest of the time so they, then they had they would they hired you on as a writer as a freelance monologue writer okay. so what that meant was so it wasn't like a full staff thing sure. it was uh it was a thing where you were getting paid by the joke that got on mm -hmm. basically so yeah. and there was pr probably you know at the time i don't know like eight eight to ten people doing that too mm -hmm. okay so what what year mm -hmm. was that like this would be 2004 so summer of okay. 2004 is when i interned and then uh was freelance writing monologue after that Okay, so you were writing for the show before you started doing stand-up. Yeah. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I was like, I knew I wanted to do stand-up, and I, so, but yeah, I, I did, was doing that, and then I was paging at, I, uh, after my internship ended, I was a page, and then I got hired to be the assistant to the band, like, assistant to the CBS Orchestra, basically. So I did that for a, a touch over a year, and then I got a writing job at VH1, and that's what that's when I left the the show. But I had I think towards the end of when I was a music assistant was the first open mic I did. I did like one open mic, then I got this writing job. Did no stand up. The writing job ended, and then I started doing it stand up in like 2007. Okay, what was the show at uh, VH1? It's called Celebrity Eye Candy, and uh, I mean. <laughs> I don't think you'd classify it as good, sure? but the the people who wrote on the show were good and have like gone on to do things and stuff. You know, one of them is uh, I met one of my best friends there, a guy who officiated my wedding, this guy named uh, Brock Mahan, who recently was like one of the lead producers on Hassan Minaj's Netflix show. Okay, so uh, he's he's doing great. He's done a million things. And uh, there was a woman named Megan Nuringer, who's a very funny uh, comic actress and writer, too. But yeah, so it was like a really fun little writer's room but mm -hmm. i mean the show was just like you were taking paparazzi footage of we weren't taking paparazzi footage but the footage that existed we would use for material so it's sort of like a celeb news show we'd write like parody songs and you know comedic packages about it and stuff like okay that. so th did you like submit a packet for that or did you get it based on like your free freelance writing for letterman i'm sure that yeah helped. i got yeah, it definitely helped. A, a friend of mine had written at another VH1 show, a guy I met paging at Letterman, and he heard about this job opening coming up, and he recommended me for it. And then there was a, a packet 
that I did for it and then mm-hmm. just went in and went in and interviewed and the interview is basically just you know making sure you're not a psycho and then right they, yeah they hired me. and I, I remember like the money is not like the money's like fine I, I would like to have a writing job right now that would do this but it was like 1200 bucks a week and I was mm-hmm. like I'm fucking rich now Holy <laughs> shit. like which is I mean that's like half of what you make on a union job uh, right. as a writer but but I was like oh my god this is nuts I mean I was also living in a one-bedroom apartment with like three other people at the time but mm-hmm. uh and I w- wouldn't be moving out of that situation for a while but like uh yeah I remember like this is amazing and it was eight weeks of that and then the show disappeared you know, yeah. So. <laughs> so how long were you doing stand-up before you did your your spot on uh the show, late show i'm letterman uh it was i mean i guess like five-ish years five okay five, five years seriously five or six i guess mm. um yeah there was a the booker the, the person who was booking the show when I was like starting doing standup was always very nice to me. And he, and uh, booked me for like a festival and stuff too. And, but he didn't want to book me for the show. And part of that, I think was like the, that I had a sort of a history there. And I don't, sure. I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, who cares kind of, and ultimately Dave found it fun, you know, once it actually happened, you know, Dave wasn't giving these orders or anything. Right. But then new, new bookers came into the show and yeah, I was, I've been doing, stuff in the city and at that time I mean I did the spot at the end of 2013 so I'd been touring for a couple of years you know mm-hmm. and people knew me there and they called like I got an email and they were like would you want to audition for the show and I was like yes like who I mean hey <laughs> yeah right. like I dreamt about doing exactly that when I was a teen but b like I'm a I, this is my job so like that would be a good thing to do like i would do you know i would do leno i'm fucking yeah, I'll do exactly. leno's car show tomorrow i don't <laughs> give a shit i don't like him but i mean who cares yeah. like you know i'll cash the check and i'll have the clip of me doing what i do that's fine <laughs> so uh yeah but so it was very nice i auditioned i ended up doing two auditions and uh and then and then got it it was uh, it was lovely yeah so that like what was the process like did they make you run the set at a bunch of clubs or so the audition process at the time, and I don't think it, there used to be kind of a standard about this, I think with late night sets, but it, back in back then, I think the bookers of these late night shows would actually go see shows more. And mm-hmm. I don't think they really do anymore. They, yeah. I think they mostly sit in the office and take internet clips and listen to agents and whatever. Yeah. Uh, God bless. <laughs> you know, Good work out there, folks. But <laughs> the there used to be, there would be like live showcases of like, eight to 10 people who the bookers wanted to see and you would do a live show. So they would tell you do seven minutes TV clean, like just seven minutes you can do on TV and whatever you think that is, we'll see it. And so I did that and then I got like a round of notes. So they're like, okay, whatever you put in bold, we've approved for the show. Mm-hmm. And they like transcribed it to an insane degree. It was like yeah. the ums would be in there and stuff. And they, so they put in bold the first time I auditioned, they like put in bold like four minutes. And then the other, the other jokes were in gray. So they're like, all right, so we'll do another audition. You'll do these four again, and then just add three new in Mm -hmm. and we'll see. And basically they wanted to approve like five and a half, six minutes. Mm -hmm. Um, so it took me a while to like, you know, it's just hard to get a set on tape in a good way yeah. to send in. Um, but I did that second audition. And then after the second audition, they were like, okay, we'd like to flip your clothes, your closing joke with the thing before it. 
So do this set in this order, put it on tape and send it to us. And I was like, all right. So I did that and uh, ended up getting it at like, I was like just home in Chicago visiting my mom. So I went to Zany's where I like I headline there and I, mm-hmm. uh, I was like, can I just do guest spots on these couple shows to just get the, you know, try to record this. And I thought I had gotten it. And then I dropped in on like an indie show uh, called Chicago Underground Comedy at this rock club called The Beat Kitchen. And then I did it there and it crushed. So I used that tape from Mm -hmm. uh, Chicago Underground and sent it in. And then like it took a couple of weeks, it took a couple of weeks, but a couple of weeks later, I got a call that was just like, uh, can you come in November 26th? And yeah, you know, and and then the next thing they said was, uh, think about what song you want Paul to play you up with. And I knew because I used the song that I would walk out to on the college TV show, oh, which was Roll- Rolling Stones, Let's Spend the Night Together. And uh, so they played that. And like the amount of messages I got from people on our college TV show who like watched that and were like, I started crying <laughs> like yeah. when I heard this, uh, like Paul playing that song was beautiful, you know. That's amazing. And it was and it was beautiful for like so so many of my friends still work there. So like one of my best friends, Megan, was like the one who greeted me at the door and took me to my green room mm-hmm. and stuff, you know, and just like the band is so fucking psyched when I walk out because they knew I was their assistant, you know. Yeah. And uh and so they were really excited to uh, about that. And yeah, it was it was a a wonder a wonderful bucket listy thing, obviously, to to be able to cross off. That's great um how did you feel about did you think the notes they gave you were were helped the helped your set or how did you feel about that yeah they I thought they were really good and part of it I think they were like extraordinarily unmeddlesome Mm -hmm. in a way that I don't think is the norm from what I understand you know like I had a friend uh named Adam Newman who's a comic in LA he was here in New York for a long time but when he did think it might have been letterman but they like made him just do a new punchline for one of his jokes and it was like yeah and we were both kind of like let just me you don't like the joke then which is also fine i have others but (laughs) like it's just like what if this joke wasn't this joke it's like Mm -hmm. i mean it could be i don't this is very existential and weird you could just put this joke on the show on your own because it's yeah whatever um but for me literally all it was they approved what they approved, and the only note was flip the closer and the thing behind it, and uh, and uh, and it was like a solid note, like it uh, mm-hmm. it made sense flow wise, and uh, I think was a better way to close the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think mine, and there was way less back and forth than I've heard from like friends who've done other other late night shows. Yeah. I think it's like it was it was pretty smooth once once they like approved anything, you know. Yeah. So then after that um you start doing warm-up for the show I did warm up very briefly but yeah so I did uh there was uh the warm-up comic for the show uh for a million years he had like a Cal Ripken-esque streak of never missing a day Eddie Brill yeah Eddie Brill did it forever and then he had to have emergency throat surgery out of like out of the blue on uh on like a Thursday or Friday and so my understanding is that like 
they this was a couple of months after I did the show. Mm-hmm. So I was fresh in their mind and they like picked a couple people who'd had good sets on the show and were based in New York and then like ran it past Dave. And then Dave was like, yeah, he's fine. So he, mm-hmm. like, he's sort of sort of, I think, like not giving too much of a shit, but was like, oh, that was yeah, I liked his thing. So it's like, all right, he picked me. Wonderful. Um, but so I went in and it was only going to be this one week of filling in. Um, but it was, I mean, easily the most stressed I've ever been performing anything. Yeah. Like, cause it's not really a comedy job. Warm up right. isn't. Yeah. You know, it's like, you're telling the audience the rules and like, and trying to make it fun. And you're doing a lot of like running around. You have to introduce all the band members names. So you have to like have all the names down. It's a mm-hmm. lot of like MC work. Um, in the middle of this like extremely high profile and like very stressful situation and uh and and dave's an interesting fella and you know, so, so it's <laughs> yeah. like so there's uh there's a lot going on but i did that first week and it was great like it was really nice everyone was super positive and then i thought that was going to be it and i was like i got out of here the director of the show like took me out for drinks after the last one is great guy jerry foley and great director and he was like kevin the best thing i can tell you is that people know people weren't talking about you like Mm -hmm. that like that it's amazing he's like that is a huge win after after this week you were never a problem um and then the next week uh i got a call on wednesday on like the wednesday and was like hey can you be here in two hours and also, do you want to do the job permanently? And I was like, duh, no, <laughs> like I don't. And yeah. at the time, Dave hadn't announced that he was retiring. Otherwise, it, maybe that would have factored in. But I didn't want that to be like my life. Right. Um, so I did a couple more days and uh, and then was like, you know, told them like, I can I can fill in if you need like fill in people for this. Mm-hmm. Like the money per minute's wonderful. You're there for, you know, you do like seven minutes of stand up. You have to hang, you hang out during the show and you tell the crowd when to clap and stuff. Yeah. And you get, I think it was like 400 bucks a night. So it's like, that's, I mean, that's great. But also it's like, I didn't want my life to be that. And also it's the kind of thing where I guess in like local, cl- I, I don't know how much of your audience is like, I mean, I assume pretty deep into comedy, uh, but like, it's sort of like, you don't want to be seen as an, open micer on like a bigger stage right but i don't want to be a warm-up guy you know what i yeah. mean like no, I, 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 I would pref- i would prefer people think of me like headlining clubs and working yeah. good clubs and doing good shows and i do think there's a little bit of something at some places where it's like if you're the warm-up guy that's like a thing you know mm-hmm. like even if it's a nice gig like yeah yeah no i understand that completely um yeah did you have I did you have much like uh, interaction with Dave? I know you said he's an interesting guy. Um, very interesting, yeah. Very, yeah. yeah the, the greatest comic <laughs> mind of uh, last yeah. century, in my opinion, and yeah. all this stuff. Yeah, we we had like uh, there was a quick beef on the last day, or uh, where he was mad that I wasn't standing in a particular place to hand him the mic. Mm-hmm. And it didn't make sense. And then the sort of in-between guy went to check it out with him in between shows. It was a double tape day. And then came back to me. He was like, I don't know what he's talking about. I don't know, whatever, you yeah. know, but he was like, he was pissed about it. And no one knew what he, no one knew what he was talking about. Yeah. It was the, he, 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 I was told, he's like, apparently Dave thinks Eddie did a thing for 20 years that he definitely never did. So this yeah. is not, this is not your fault. This just happens, you know? Um, and at that point I was, and they were like, don't worry, you'll be back. And I was telling them, I'm like, I will not. <laughs> like, I'm telling you, I will not. Thank you, but no. Right. 
and it ended fine um mm. you know and then dave told the bookers like he just you know he, he just thought i did a good job so he the most of the back and forth dave and i had in the chaos of the warm-up because he comes out oh, he was talking about when i hand him the mic because you introduce him and he comes out and says hello to the crowd before the mm -hmm. show um but yeah he was you know so there was like a it was about that and then ultimately it ended up fine and he never like he never like shit on me to anybody or anything but it also like wasn't worth it to 12 year old me to be like i don't want to be mad at dave you know right. like kind of like fuck that like i know that 400 bucks is nice but i i think i'm good on this you know um yeah and then they tried out some other people to do warm-up and then ultimately uh decided not even to have a comic do it they had the announcer who just passed away but alan yeah, Coulter, who was a great guy uh so he ended up doing warm-up for like the last year of the show which makes all the sense in the world because it's not really a comedy job the way right. they did it and like when i did a set on the show easiest crowd ever you're getting applause mm -hmm. breaks on setups and like you know because dave just said like dave introduced you and they trust dave and so this is going to be fun when they come to see dave and then some non-famous guy walks out they're like what are we doing here you know so it's like right. not the same level of ease with the crowd um so yeah uh ultimately i turned down the gig full time and then alan ended up doing it mm -hmm. after a couple other like a couple other very good comics went in and did it for short periods of time but yeah i'm yeah. sure alan was great i always thought he was one of the the funniest anytime they had him do something it was great killer just killer and like he talks like that all the time mm. and like he was so nice such a nice dude uh he like one of the intern jobs would be you would order uh food uh, you'd order the like dinner and you'd order from like three restaurants and the writers could pick from wherever mm -hmm. uh that was like almost the main thing you did as the intern was like coordinating dinner stuff and alan was up on the writer's floor so you would include him and he ate from the same sushi place every day forever <laughs> as far as i know <laughs> like a place called haru so it's like you don't do these three restaurants for everybody and then alan gets this one wildly specific order from haru <laughs> every time and he like it, he was very fun to walk around with like if you would just like you know get off the subway at the same spot or whatever because mm -hmm. that guy loved being recognized like mm -hmm. he would walk around with his head on a swivel smiling I think looking <laughs> as much like himself as he possibly could one of my first days of interning we were like walking to lunch together uh and someone just yelled like Alan you gonna keep your pants on tonight and he just said to be determined and that was, <laughs> and that was it but he just like loved the whole thing of it so it's very cool he got to do that you know yeah, that's great. I always loved him. Um, so good. Yeah. So did you, I'm a big wrestling fan. Did you write oh. for WWE like the like Monday Night Raw and stuff like that, or no you wrote for the Edge and Christian show? Wrote for the Edge and Christian show. Uh, got to go in and be in one of the episodes with them, which was that was the most fun thing. Mm -hmm. But I did. I got sort of in their orbit because they were doing a. Um, a show called The List, where it would yeah. be for the network, it'd be like a countdown of things. And then sort of v VH1, I love the 2000s yeah. style, like, which I was on that show too. So they mm -hmm. knew of me like that way. And I was on this True TV show, True TV's World's Dumbest for many years. That was same thing. You're just commenting on clips. So it was that extremely easy format. Yeah. So I did that. And then after doing that, they asked if I would write uh, comedy stuff for the Edge and Christian show. 
um, so I did, which was weird. It was that, <laughs> I mean, that was very, that was a very weird gig. I would just write remotely and then there wouldn't really be notes. They would give me a premise. So I wasn't pitching most of the premises and uh-huh. the premises are like not good. Right. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's not like good comedy. Like yeah, Edge yeah. and Christian, I think are great and they're like fun guys. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, so, but I don't know, uh, you know, who was coordinating the rest of the stuff. And when I went in, they wanted me to be in a sketch. Uh, uh, they did have like a nineties episode and I was playing myself, but I was like a, um, a guy at the warehouse trying to sell them merchandise, but it was like, like wrestling memorabilia, but it was mm-hmm. wonky in whatever way. And I get there and the script is like, I mean, bad to the point where it's like the, the spelling's bad. Like, it's just like, who did this? This is like, not a grown up. <laughs> like, did you yeah. give this to a child? <laughs> and I'm like, I write for this show. Why didn't you have me write this? If right. I was going to be in it. And then I met the kid who wrote it and he's like, I don't even want to write. And I'm like, what are they doing here? They're like forcing <laughs> people to write. So Edge and Chris, I, like that day I went up to Stanford, Connecticut where WWE's based and just like, again, Disney World situation, wrestlers just walking around because they're mm. going to be in sketches. I had lunch with the Godfather and oh, wow. that was entirely surreal. <laughs> Godfather is a, he was a pimp character in the 90s. Yeah. And like, I when I met Edge and Christian, they introduced themselves with their <laughs> given names. You know, mm-hmm. they're like, I'm Adam, I'm Jay. And Godfather was like, you can call me the Godfather. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, absolutely, man. I prefer it, honestly. Yeah. Um, so he's great. And then when I did the sketch with Edge and Christian, they were sort of like reading the script as I was. And they were like, this doesn't, this isn't anything. And I yeah. was like, I-, I know. And uh, then they were like, well, we can use the beats. There's like three beats of like what I was selling. And they're like, are you cool if we just like kind of talk around it? And I was like, call it in the ring. Yeah, I, yeah. I would love to call it in the ring <laughs> yeah. with Edge and Christian. What a <laughs> fucking dream. So we did. And they're like good improvisers. Like they were yeah. funny. And like they were, I mean, which shouldn't be a surprise, but like, you know, I did improv in, in New York mm-hmm. too. And like, these are good, they're good comedic improvising actors. And like, that's a clip else I like showing to people. It's like a funny couple minutes and they were great. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. But yeah, I'm not surprised like that they're good. If you, it just show, it goes to show like if they had like them helping write the show, how much better the product would be. Of course. Yeah. Cause they like, they care. And also it's a thing where like, it's kind of akin to stand up. where could you imagine if just like anyone was writing your stand up? like right. it would be embarrassing to, sometimes to go out and do, cause you have to wear it, you know? Mm-hmm. So these are guys who have to like wear it cause they're in, they're on stage in the ring, whatever. So yeah, it makes all the sense in the world that they would have a bit of a radar for like, what's going to work, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you mentioned World's Dumbest. I've heard from multiple comics that have been on that show that that's like the big, that's their big draw. That's what gets people, yeah, um, most people, of the audience. Absolutely. It's sort of like the Letterman thing is like the varsity letter among other comics. Like, mm-hmm. you know, that's a, that's a great credit for us. And like, yeah. if you, it's great when like, you know, if a, a, if a, when a big, if I'm being introduced to like a bigger comic, and they find out I did Letterman, they're like, oh, shit. Okay, cool. Like, sort of like, a, a, it sort of c- cuts the chase to be like, oh, you might be real in some sense. You right. Know? 
Um, so that's obviously the thing I'm proudest of, but no one gives a shit. Like in terms of like, no one's coming out to shows because I did Letterman, you know, mm-hmm. like they, they come out to shows because I'm probably still currently on TV right now. Like <laughs> yes. it runs every, like, I think all day, every Tuesday, basically still, yeah. we haven't done a new episode since 2014, but I did 200 episodes over six years. So that is absolutely like if people come out to see me, it's that or my sex in the city podcast or TikTok. Like those are the, those mm-hmm. are the, the reasons people come on purpose to see me, you know? Um, so yeah, absolutely. I, I'm curious. Do, do you remember who any of the other comics were who was, uh, who were uh, doing that show? Brendan Walsh. Oh yeah, absolutely. He was always doing it for the most part from LA while we were doing it from New York, but Brendan's great. Okay. That's, yeah. That's very funny. Cause I, I would think he has like other stuff I'm sure he. I know he does. Yeah, yeah. It's funny that it's funny that he still gets a lot of world's (laughs) dumbest people. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Like like people will see, especially like with the internet now, TikTok and like people are headlining clubs just based on their TikTok Mm -hmm. following and stuff. Now some of those people aren't great, but it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, Are you are you really cousins with Mike Pence? Yes. And that is a common question. And my common response is like, who, who the fuck would make it up? Hey, right. Yeah. Like, you know, I, this is going to get me laid. Hey, everybody. Yeah. I'm Mike Pence's <laughs> cousin. Um, so who would make it up and be yeah. like, what's the end game to making it up? Like if I was making it up and then I put it <laughs> online, like that's, I would think that wouldn't end well or go yeah. well for me. You know what I mean? It's, I don't want to have like the Mike Pence cousin thing be the version of like Steve Rennes easy saying he was at 9-11. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Uh, so. Both national <laughs> so, tragedies. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, yeah, it's, it's true. It's not like we're not boys, you know, like, right, but yeah. my, but my, like, I'm the what I'm the wedding ring I'm wearing was my grandfather's wedding ring and he married Joan Pence like my grandma okay. her name is Joan Pence and they and she and Mike were close and mm-hmm. they were like they were first cousins and uh yeah so it's it's like that I mean I haven't been in a room with him in many many years but like there there have been like wakes and weddings and like my mom and her and her sisters all have like photos of like them on vacation together in Wisconsin and stuff so okay yeah, yeah yeah i just no i believed you i just i uh i just that's a common to, question yeah. it's 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 one of the because that bit blew up uh blew up on right. tiktok earlier this year which is weird because it's like ben it was on my album that came out in in 2018 so it's not mm-hmm. like new obviously i've been doing it since 2016 and uh i was just like all right well you know the last day of this administration throw up uh you know throw this clip up and it popped but like it's funny how many people be like you're fucking lying and it's like <laughs> to, to what end to what end right. a, a and then b like well i'm not so now what <laughs> like the yeah. fact is i'm not but it's funny how many people be like you just made that up and i'm like man there would be it's hard to think of something like less interesting that I could make up (laughs) like one of the most nefarious but boring figures in American political history that I'm a distant cousin of it would be weird if I didn't address it at all as a person who goes on stage and talks about my real life in a in like a normal human way it would be weird to not like ever address it 
I think, <laughs> you know, but also it's like, yeah, <laughs> with my clout chasing, I'm like, I shit on him. I mean, I like, right. I'm going to get audited probably this year because of it. And I didn't make any money off the TikTok thing. Yeah. So, you know, it's, uh, yeah, he dude, fucking sucks. He's, you know, he's a treasonous coward and, uh, yeah, good for him, you know, uh, and he's, I, I'm pretty sure he's not sweating, uh, the guy from world's dumbest opinions about it either. So. Yeah, you don't think he's a fan of the of, of Kevin McCaffrey? Why? Well, I, I if he, yeah, I know there was a time when he was probably aware of who I was, but like, mm. uh, I, you know, no, <laughs> if he knows me, if he, whatever he knows about me, no, he, I, I would, I think I can right. safely say he is a, he is not a fan. Yeah, that's I'm, for the best. Yeah. That's for the best. Yeah, that's not, you know, I, I mean, I talk about it in the bit, but like, I've been not a fan for a very long time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, for, yeah. Me yeah, too, my, from Indiana. Yeah, I, I mean, you've got, and I'm sure you have a thing where it's like, whatever your politics are, like, mm -hmm. I have plenty of college friends who are more conservative and like in, in Indiana, mm -hmm. they did not like him either. Like, right. by and large, they did not like him, yeah. you know? So. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, what, yeah, you mentioned the Sex in the City podcast. How long have you been doing that? Did it for like two years and we're still i mean since there's a new series coming out we're gonna get back to doing it more regularly for uh, the hbo reboot of it but myself and a very funny tv writer named john daly uh basically okay. had uh, had some free time and we're like all right we haven't seen this show uh mm. so we started it first week of 2019 and we just for every week watch the show but we we had like as little knowledge going in as you possibly could in in 2019 so it's two dudes who've been like, you know, best friends for basically 20 years uh, who uh, were watching the show for the first time. And it's nice. We got a little, you know, it like did better than we thought it would. Mm -hmm. And we got some nice fans and a nice little Patreon going uh, off of it. And uh, yeah, if people want to listen. It's called Sex and the City. It's and uh, it is just me and John. And it's, uh, you know, two straight married dudes watching sex in the city for the first time um and now you know we're all about it we know the things for the most part you know we're yeah. not big on the research side of it but like uh yeah it was great yeah it, it was do you it was now do you, do you enjoy the show uh, great question and i think the answer is yes it's sort yeah. of like it's sort of like it's sort of hard to like pry it away from just like well this is how i hang out with my best friend who has mm -hmm. kids now and stuff so it's like it's wrapped up in that and we've met cool like we have a nice little fan base off it where it's like it's not huge but the people who were in after hearing us talk for a hundred hours about sex in the city like they're in for whatever we do now right. you know they're in for all of it they come out like you know we've i've had bachelorette parties at uh at stand-up shows that were extremely well behaved because like the gals knew me from this oh and, that's great yeah and they like you know they it, as you know with like podcast stuff eventually they just you kind of can't hide who you are so right that's been very nice so it's hard to like sort of pry the artistic appreciation of the show away from like just my personal positive experience with it mm. but uh yeah i'll say i like it fuck it <laughs> you know <laughs> like yeah yeah absolutely that's great, man. Well, thanks for doing this. Um, anything else you want to plug? No, that's it. At Sex and the City. It's is, uh, on Instagram. And, you know, that's just uh, find that as you find any podcast. And uh, all my stuff is at Kevin McCaff on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, just at Kevin McCaff. And, you know, come see a show. Yeah. 
Uh, thanks again for doing this, man. I really appreciate it. Good to talk. Yeah, to thanks you. for having me. Yeah, no problem. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling tossed salads and scrambled eggs. Mercy. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe. But I got you, pig. <laughs> but I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. Scrambled eggs all over my face. What is a boy to do? Mabry has left the building.